Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Author Eke. Today, I have FX Reagan, and he's going to introduce himself. Uh, we're going to talk about his books, maybe talk about some other stuff. You never know, but we'll kind of take it from there. So uh, welcome to Author Eke, uh, and I appreciate you being on. Thanks for having me, Travis. Anytime. So tell us about yourself. How did you, uh, you know, how did you get into writing? Because it's all different from, you know, everybody I've talked to, it's a little different on how everybody gets into writing or why do they write? You know, satisfaction is definitely not for the money. So, <laughs> really? <laughs> Maybe I've the loss million, of money. <laughs> I've made millions already. Oh, not, man. Not you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe I did some other ways. <laughs> I did a Twitter post yesterday. Somebody asked about how much money they can expect to make. And I said, you can make a million dollars in writing if you start with two million and don't work for 10 years doing anything else. <laughs> I tell everybody that I, uh, on paper, I am a multimillionaire. Don't <laughs> 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 let me cash in, though. Well, tell us yeah. about tell us about yourself. So I'm a uh, former law enforcement officer. I started as a um, a police officer working the streets in a major metropolitan area. Mm -hmm. uh, I did that for several years. Uh, transitioned over to the FBI, um, like many people in the same area I was working in. I uh, did spent 25 years there, so I had a total of almost 33 years in law enforcement. Excellent. I got out in uh, 2012, retired, and had a series of corporate jobs, um, working for two large corporations, one uh, as a vice president for, for security and, and uh, loss prevention. And then the second company, I was the chief operating officer, more of a uh, security operation. The company was, was involved in security. And I then, think you could probably go back for the loss prevention thing because... <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That was, you know, you're, you're seeing a lot of it that we were dealing with 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um you know, it's, it's not new, this organized right. retail theft that's going on. It's just really becoming known in, in the big cities, and you can see it on TV. It, it's been going on for years. Yeah, when they take a calculator in there with them to see, figure out how much they have before they'll get a felony. I've seen it. We, we, yeah. we had in, in one of our California stores, these two mopes were in there and literally had their iPhone open and adding up <laughs> to make sure they had $949 each <laughs> so they could get out the door with a traffic ticket if the, if the police ever oh. showed up. Did they go to the door and say, crap, I forgot to add sales tax. <laughs> Put that shirt back. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead and continue your story. No, that's, that's it. That's okay. So after, you know, several years in the private sector and the last company I was with was thinking of, you know, doing some transitioning to maybe even being bought out. So I left the business and decided as a third act, maybe give my hand, give my, myself a, a try at this. I, I literally sat down 10 years ago and wrote an autobiography. And as I was writing it, I was determined for it to be different because right. I've read a lot of crappy autobiographies by former FBI agents and cops. And they all sort of have this formula where, you know, I went to Quantico on this date and then I graduated and then I went to my first office and this was my first arrest. And then I, you know, got a bigger arrest and it just, I was determined not to be that, but then mm -hmm. it was. So right. I decided not to do anything <laughs> with that. Well, and, free and to, under, feel free to embellish. I mean, everybody yeah, does. So uh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And, and then I, I realized that, you know, I changed so much of it. I changed the name of the good guys, the bad guys. I put the cities, you know, the action in different cities than where it really happened to kind of protect the guilty, as a supervisor of mine used to say. And, yep. and I realized, look, it's already like half fiction. So why not, you know, really fictionalize it and put it into some novels or novellas or short stories? Excellent. And that's kind of what I've done. Is, uh, just Excellent. taking the, that autobiography and make it mm -hmm. into novels. So how many how many have you written? So 
so far, I, I've, I've published um, three novellas. And, and those have actually literally nothing to do with police work in the FBI. Um, right. They're, they're the kitschy little numbers uh, about Area 51 and a detective from uh, Metropolitan D.C. Well, hold police. on. They might be about the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> well, I purposely kept, you know, and, and we'll end up talking about this. The FBI makes makes you go through a pre-publication review process. I know mm-hmm. DOD does, the CIA does, the yep. intelligence community. They make you submit your work, even if it's fiction. Right. Um, and it can take a year for them to go through your work mm-hmm. and come back with questions. And so the novellas, I was kind of testing my ability to self-publish some things and not go through the FBI. Mm-hmm. So I made them, you know, kind of as wild and uh, outside of anything I really ever did and that the mm-hmm. FBI was involved in that I had any, if they were around area 51, it was, with, it was without me having any knowledge right. of it. Yeah. Um, so these things were a little 120 page novellas. I did not submit them to the FBI. I just self-published them on Amazon. And then what I did was put them together and, you know, make a one volume. So it would be, you know, 350, 400 pages that would make it worth doing an audio book, which I've done. Um, and, and I did that just, again, to try and see how the marketplace really worked, how self-publishing worked, how Amazon KU worked. Um, and meanwhile, I had these two FBI-centric novels that I have submitted uh, that are longer works, more in depth. I spent a couple years between the two of them, so probably a year each uh, writing. I had some developmental editing help. I had some uh, copy editing help, and those are still out there. Um, I, I've shopped them around to a number of agents. I haven't got any traction yet. I've got a, two hits from small publishers that were interested, but I, I I've not done that yet. Not saying I wouldn't, but um, so those those I had to I did have to to submit to the bureau and, uh, you know, have them come back. Everything's right. fine. They, I have questions on them, but nothing was blacked out so far. Excellent. Um, and then my latest project was, uh, you know, about a local police officer, which again, in my author's note, I just, I, I talk about quote the feds and note that I don't submit them to the FBI because there's no mention of those three letters or anything mm-hmm. to do with the FBI, anything that they work on, anything right. I worked on when I was in the FBI. And that latest book just dropped uh, two days ago. It's it's called yeah, Roslyn Station. On, uh, what's the name of it? Roslyn Station. Uh-huh. Uh, and it, it's about a, a female police officer in Fairfax County, Virginia, uh, a detective sergeant. And it's really about her trip from uh, the Vienna Metro to downtown Washington, D.C. to go to federal court. She worked on a big case as the primary undercover mm-hmm. uh, that was adopted by the feds. And as she goes for the first day of trial... Uh, all kinds of hell break loose on the metro, uh, specifically at Roslyn Station, which is the last stop in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, I wrote it as in an alternating timeline. So every other chapter is about the, her trip from Virginia to Washington, D.C., and then what happens. And then the alternating chapters are sort of backstory going back 10 years to her first time in the academy, some of the uh, travail she goes through as a police officer in different positions. So, yeah. Is that self-published or is that through a publisher? I self-published that too. Okay. So is your goal to, you know, just self-publish or I know you want, you, you said you sent some, uh, a couple out for look, looks at and see if you can get an agent to look at, mm-hmm. it, you know, publisher. Is that your goal or you just want to be able to put some books out there? Yes. No, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, I'm not, uh, I know a lot, I've heard a lot of, and you know, you know, a lot of us mm-hmm. 
talk to each other online and uh, yep. social media, um, yep. authors and aspiring authors. And I am not in the camp that I have to have my books in the bookstore or bookshelves. I don't really care. I'm just telling stories. Uh, I'd like for people to buy them, but if they don't, you know, I don't, it's not that I don't care, but I kind of don't care. Uh, I don't need to be famous. I don't need mm-hmm. to be rich. Um, I just want to tell the story. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the two that I did that are FBI centric are worthy of, of being traditionally published, but if they're not, you know, in the, let's say near future, I'll go ahead and self-publish them too. I've learned a lot about the process and I've got a lot of contacts that can help me with it, you know, formatting and um, editing and and kind of trying to make it as professional as possible. And you know what, frankly, I think this is, you know, we're seeing a new age in publishing. Uh, I think a lot of agents and and traditional publishers are scrambling because this process has has opened up. Yeah, I think I've heard a lot of some of the more established authors, you know, through a lot of these big, you know, top five publishing companies are deciding to start self-publishing their books. Right. Because now the the availability of getting, you know, like you said, an editor, a proofreader, a formatter, the, the, the cover design, you know, is so easy that, you know, we all kind of know each other and say, oh, hey, who have you for the cover? Oh, reach out. Or the, I think the hardest thing is the marketing aspect of it. But I'm kind of in your camp where uh, I like, I like putting the book out because I like telling the stories. You know, I don't have to make, you know, I don't have to live off it. Right. You know that, <laughs> but if somebody says, oh, hey, it's, you know, it's a good book. I like reading it. And they got a little bit of entertainment out of it. Passed the time, took them away from whatever they wanted to get their mind away from. That's what I'm kind of looking for. Right. And I'm, I've written two. I uh, started a third and I stopped in the middle because then I have an idea for a historical World War One fiction book that I am knee deep in. And I think it's absolutely you know incredible just reading about the history of World War One and everything. So, right. uh, I I think I'm I might shop that around a little bit, but I think I'm going to self publish it uh, I, because it's it's an interesting concept. But yeah, are, so I'm, I'm are your other two or your first two self published? No, they're through. I, I do it a hybrid publisher, a, a so smaller a smaller press. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I did that. Uh, I just kind of you know, maybe more control over it, but yeah, I, I haven't decided yet either. So how do you so you come up with your characters. Are do you have to do a drastic ch- now? I know you change your names and everything, but how much of the characters like that's what that sob was like? I mean, <laughs> personality wise, that was that guy. But you just change the name or whatever. How how do you do that? Or, or do yeah, you do it's that? a it's a hundred percent for the most part. I mean, the the hardest thing for me, and I'm I'm doing better of like writing stuff down because you know. I mean, mm-hmm. 38, 38 years, 40 years, is a long time. And, yeah. um, you know, I mean, sometimes you'll have a really vivid recollection of what happened your first day on the street. And then other times something just jogs your memory. And you're like, I got to write that down. It was such a good story. Um, yeah. But so far I've been able to, you know, literally you look at this latest book, Rousing Station, 90% of the scenes in there, well, except with the exception of the, the action that happens mm-hmm. Uh, that she's involved in, you know, at the metro stations and things like that. I mean, obviously, I'm making that up as I go along. But some of the backstory and the characters and all of that, I mean, these are all real people and real events that happen. I just kind of take them out of sequence and, yep. you know, change who the people were and, and all of that. But all true stories. You see, that is a quirky bastard. I'm going to have to put him in a book. <laughs> the good guys and the bad guys. Oh, no. Well, sometimes the good guys are like, wow, that's kind of yeah. strange. So when you uh, so you write 
do you do uh how do you research i know i have to find i do a lot of research you know some of the places i've been to some there's no way you could go to them right now so you do right. a lot of research but evidently you were fbi you were stationed not stationed were positioned or whatever uh more than one place i, I would assume you're all over the place so right there's a lot of places you've been to i, mean, I know dc you probably spent a lot of time there especially around the virginia area and everything mm -hmm. yeah so um so far, all of my books are Washington, D.C. centric okay. because I know it like the back of my hand. I don't have to yeah. think about what it looks like or, you know, the streets east and west, north and south. It's the first district of Metropolitan Police or third district. I kind of know all that. So that makes mm -hmm. it easier. Um, I the very first book I did, one of the long novels, it's still hanging out there for somebody to give me a seven figure deal on. Um, I, I did a lot of uh, outlining. Mm -hmm. And I, I found that didn't really help me because I was changing it and I was doing some research on things as I went along. So the, the second project through what I just published and what I'm working on now, I tend to just do like a, uh, like a one page outline, almost like an executive summary. Mm -hmm. And then I write down maybe a dozen bullet points that I really want to make sure get in there. And I just start writing and then I, I do what I call kind of a reverse outline. Uh, after every chapter, I go back and put what that chapter really turned out to be about and just keep going that way. So that when I get, you know, toward the end of the book and I can't remember now, like, what, I knew this happened before, but where did it happen? I can just go up to my kind of reverse outline and go, that's chapter 14. And that, that's where, that's what these two guys talked about. Um, and then I do tend to kind of stop in the middle as I'm writing to do some research. And a lot of it's, you know, Google, if I'm, you know. I know a lot about guns, but I can't remember if uh, you know a Springfield operator has seven or eight rounds. I can't remember, <laughs> so I have to right, go right. Google and look that up. So I, I do a lot of that, which is it's time consuming, and you you can get down rabbit holes when you convince yourself you're just going to do research and look up the number of rounds in a magazine, and then you up on, end up on ESPN or something like that. But yeah, so I do I do a lot of research as I'm going along. Well, neither could the uh, the guy uh, that Clean Eastwood. Uh you feel lucky, punk? How many did I shoot? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yep. So, and, and that's what happened in the, in this book. There's a, there's a, there's several scenes where, you know, the her the heroine is kind of counting or counting her rounds, and that becomes uh -huh. central to the story toward the end. You know, does she she knows how many she has, but she's got to be careful how she spends them. Right. Well, evidently, a lot well, a lot of people that are producing movies don't read books because, uh, <laughs> I guess you know. Uh, Six hour has I don't know fifty rounds in a clip, which is amazing to me sometimes. Uh, yeah. So so that's interesting how how you said that you I don't I don't outline per se either. Right. I can I just kind of start writing. But what I did do like you in this uh, historical fiction is I wrote a synopsis, which is I I never right right wrote one before. So I wrote that, sent it to a couple of people. Okay, good. Then I start. Okay, I want to talk about this 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 and this. I want to mention uh, aerial combat. I want to mention gas attacks. I want to oh, this is what I want to do, but how, where do I want to put that in? Right. How right. often do I want to put that in? Um, so that, and I said, well, okay, who do I want to? Because the book, the the book is about a soldier who gets just decimated. But during the whole book, you never know who he is, right? Or who even try to guess who he is. Right. Um, but it's, it's that and that. But so I do a lot, a lot of the research on that. I mean, I got my wife told me just quit 
buying books on World War One <laughs> and go to the library. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, but I, you know, I got like, you know, maps and everything, but because I, I, I'm fascinated, so I do a lot of research, even for the, my fiction books, because you have to make fiction believable, right? Uh, or science, you know, science fiction. So I try to do a lot. Uh, I do a lot with the uh, intelligence community. I have, mm-hmm. I have never been in the intelligence community other than the army as a reconnaissance specialist. But I'll put stuff about satellites and that, mm-hmm. you know. Newton's laws and everything right, about. So right. I just do that. So, how long does it so it takes you a year to write a book? What's your do you put yourself on a timeline? Like, no, I'm going to do so up. I got to get no. it done by him. It's like whenever. I do have kind of a calendar in my head about you know, mm-hmm. okay, if I self-publish this book, when do I want it to come out? And then that kind of makes me work toward that goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first two that you know, I'm still kind of shopping around to see if uh, if an agent or a publishing house is interested in it. Those I didn't give myself any time. I just I just wrote them, and then I spent a lot of time editing, which is actually I hear a lot of people talk about that's their favorite part. It's my least favorite part. Um, <laughs> I would love to be able to just take the first draft and give it to somebody and say, you know, you fix it all up, and then you send it out, and you know, kind of like James Patterson that probably does. Um, yeah, I, I can't do that. Do but that. I have found out that I I edit as I go, and what yeah. I'll do is I'll write. But then I have to print it. I have right. to read it like a book. And I'm doing a lot more of that now in this one than I did the other two. So I have to read it and I go, okay, or no, I need to move this up here because then it makes better sense. Or uh, and then I use some, you know, some, you know, some tools. I don't, I don't use Chat uh, GPT at all. No, I don't either. You know, I don't. That'll, that'll take the uh, emotion out of the book for me. I, I, I found a really good tool for editing. Uh-huh. And it's uh, for everybody that uses Word. It's the read aloud function. If you put it on read aloud and then have the, them read the book back to you, there are so many mm-hmm. things that you never see. If you've read it fifteen different print versions, you still will catch, you know, some. You're the second person to ca- say that. It's it's amazing. I, you yeah, know, I probably that first book that I that I wrote. It's you know three hundred pages, a hundred thousand words. <laughs> probably ed- I probably reread that thing nine times. Oh yeah, and found mistakes, and then I, I heard somebody else talking on the podcast about the read aloud function, mm-hmm. and I did it myself, and I couldn't believe the number of things that I caught uh, with read aloud. So now I do that all the time. Uh, it's, it's fabulous. That's a great idea. I mean, I, I, I like to hear it. it like yeah. When I get my audio books, I right. have to go through each chapter yep. as they're reading, and I read it. Yeah, I go, oh no, you missed this this part, or right, you know, or something like that. So I, I, I do like yeah. that too. That's for darn sure. Yeah. So, do you want what if you didn't write fiction? What would you like to write? Well, you know what I do to kind of scratch that itch is I write. I do a Substack uh, column. Oh, cool. Yeah. Which where, where hard, can everybody get it? Where is it? At, at, it's uh, fxreagan.substack.com. Okay. Or if you just go to Substack and put in FX Reagan, it'll come up and sign up for it there. Or go to my website, fxreagan.com. You can sign up for everything there. Um, but I make almost all of that is about, um, you know, the police, law enforcement, FBI, mm-hmm. topical events. Mm-hmm. I wrote an editorial about TikTok in there. I just did something last week about uh, FISA 702, which was up for recertification mm-hmm. because I had a lot of experience in FISA. Yep. wrote a 4,500-word article for that. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And, you know, I I think I'd confine my writing to that rather than trying to do a, a lengthy uh, nonfiction. 
Mm-hmm. Because as you, your World War One book is nonfiction. It's historical fiction. Historic. Okay, so that gives you an out. You can make mistakes in there and go. It's fiction. Yeah. So um, it's the 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 event the the t- the times real. Uh, there are realistic events, but may not have been that. And, and, and I'm purposely keeping it vague. Right. Right. <laughs> but, right. I hear you. Yeah. But yeah. But I, you know what I said. So what is a historical fiction? So I went out and you know, Googled it, and I had all three elements. I said, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. There, that, there's that, some that, nice stuff. It keeps it safe. I mean, if it, if you really were going to write a book about a battle that actually happened, oh my God, line you better, for line, you then you have it ready. You know, you have to do a lot of interviews, and especially if it's World War One, who are you going to find to tell you what happened there? So yeah, I'm yeah. working with. Uh, uh, so I reached out to SMU, Southern Methodist University, and mm-hmm. a gentleman that is, uh, helped me along that worked as a professor there, but also now is at the University of Nebraska. So I, you know, just reached out to him. He's going, oh, hey, you know, so he sent me some links to the libraries and SMU and everything to go out and look at some things and, you know, kind of read what, read some events. And then I just, I got, I mean, my tabs on my internet browser are like, there me must too. be 40 <laughs> or 50 of them. <laughs> There's <laughs> a, I have a little, the warning pops up at the back. You're overloaded yeah. on up here, you know, close yeah. some tabs. <laughs> So, so like, ah. <laughs> I got one that I'm like, okay, I got to have this because I'm actually going through the, the timeline. Right. Uh, but just changing some, some things up. But yeah. I, and, I, and I actually have a kid's book in mind too that I'm going to, that I would like to write. Just, I don't know, I don't know, probably a squirrel in, in yeah. uh, past life. That's for sure. So let's tell about your background. You told a little bit about it. What can you tell us about your background that you're, you're, you're so you said 20, how many years as a you know, law enforcement? Uh, it came out to like 32 and eight months. So I say oh, 33 wow. years. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's quite the period. That's from mid, mid late seventies to early eighties, early eighties to 2012. Yeah. I mean, early in 1980 <laughs> to, to yeah, 2012. Look at, the, look at the events, you know, uh, the eighties, nineties, two thousands. Well, so and, and some of the big events, if, Again, writing in the time frame you're writing in, mm-hmm. that first book uh, that, that's out there, I, I'm happy to tell the name. It's called Department Echo. I'm probably not going to change it unless, again, okay. Big Five comes along, throws seven figures and says, we love it, but you got to change the title. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> what, do you, what do you want to call it? <laughs> yeah. I, so I had, a, I had a developmental editor look at it, and he made some really good recommendations. A lot of you know things like uh, foreshadowing, cliffhanging, yeah. Things that you know, things you really gotta, you, you really have to to work on to make the book a thriller. Uh, but but it's based on an actual uh, event that happened in 1984. And what happens is that you know several years later, it, probably seven years later, exactly seven years later, the hero of the book, the protagonist, goes back and solves that murder and assassination that happened in Alexandria, Virginia, in 1984. So my challenge was, okay, everything has to be 1984 through 92 technology. You can't have cell phones. You can't have uh, the internet. You can't have email. No text messaging. You got to go back to those days. No, none of that. No, no. Talking phone booths with quarters in your pocket and, you know, looking at paper maps and, uh, you know, talking to people Mm. a lot more than using electronics or, the internet to do research. Right. So, yeah. Yep. Wow. That, that would, yeah, that'd be a challenge. 
yeah. I mean, especially because what you're, what you're writing about, right? Or you know, how do the police or federal agents communicate with one another? If you could right. pick up a cell phone, how right. often could you communicate? Right. If you had to go into the office, you know. I mean, there's a lot of that that had to call I the mean, office. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember in the army, you know, when I I joined in 1976, and I remember I I, I was 1979, and I was a driver for deputy brigade commander, brigade sergeant major, and the brigade commander had a secretary. Uh, he was a spec five, I think, or something mm-hmm. back then. It was kind of crazy, and he would go down and he would have, you know, the brigade commander say, Hey, I need this, you know, dictate something. And I looked at it, I go, wow, what is that? That's shorthand. I'm like, right. Oh, okay, good. But then he would, he would get, he would put a piece of paper in the t- typewriter, mind you. And just like, he would type, but he had like a, a tune. It had a rhythm to it. Mm-hmm. And he'd get to a certain point, he'd see a mistake and rip it out. Put it again and start all over again. Never use white out. And by about the third iteration, that thing was perfect. Yeah. But it was all like, I'm like, what is yeah. the war? I mean, yeah. And then, you know, how did you communicate with your family? I didn't talk to my family for a year in Germany. Right. right? The letter sent letters because, hey, I, I didn't want to, you know, they said, you know, the, at the time, the telephone company in Germany was called Hitler's Revenge. Because every time, you know, all you can just put five marks in and you just click, 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 like a yep. click, click. So that's why. But it's amazing how people communicated back then. Everybody, everybody lived. I mean, <laughs> you know, so I, we did, I'm well, sure we did I'm, well. I'm sure I'm off on the time frames, but we even had rules in the FBI. Like if you were going to be gone more than 48 hours, you're going to go, you know, to the beach for a weekend or something yeah. like that. You had to call in like every, I don't know, every eight hours. You had to call <laughs> call into the to the, the front <laughs> desk. The the and and tell them where you were. Did anything happen? Really? Anybody looking for me? You know, is the boss looking? Yeah, yep. Before so you they, left, if you went, if you if you went, you know, on a <laughs> on a five hundred mile trip, you had to put in a card before you you left and put down like the route number you were going to be on. I'm going to go on I ninety five. I'm leaving on Saturday the eighth. I'm going to travel from Virginia to Florida by this route. And yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think about back. So you go back in the office, they go, oh, you've been to the beach because only half your head is suntan. <laughs> the other looks like you had a phone on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So do you keep in contact with some of your uh, colleagues from the FBI? And you know, what are they up to? And what do they think about you writing? Yeah, I mean, a few. Uh, you know, it's it, – I don't know how long you've been gone, but you probably it's probably the same. That You know, every year it's a fewer, fewer, and fewer. Yeah. and. You know, people move on. Unfortunately, they pass away. Um, right. They move to different cities. So, yeah, I mean, there's some some guys that uh, I've known for 35 years that I still keep in contact with. Yeah. So, who's the director when you were there? What, Jay or Hoover? It was free? You know, it, no, <laughs> not that old. <laughs> Hoover died in 73. Oh, my God. Uh, they say. They but he lingered. He died but he lingered. So the ghost of Hoover, <laughs> and that was a big joke when I was there because there were guys that were Hoover era that came in under Hoover and you know, Mr. Hoover. Wow, by the way, Mr. Yeah, Hoover. Mr. Hoover. Now we're um, something miss. But <laughs> <laughs> when I first joined the FBI, there was a uh, acting director, Floyd uh, Clark, okay. was the acting director. There were between directors, and I think Webster had just left and gone to. Um, the CIA. He's the only yeah. Yeah. Uh, director who's been director of both. He's still alive mm-hmm. too. I think he's ninety nine years yep. old, maybe. I remember him. Yep. Yeah, 
anyway, he had just left to go to CIA. Floyd Clark was the acting director. And I think I may be mistaken. There might be somebody that came in after, that became the, uh, the full-time director after mm-hmm. Floyd Clark, but for sure, William Sessions was there for a long time oh, yeah. when I was there. Okay. Judge Sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he got fired um, for some ethical things. He was, <laughs> if you haven't heard the story, he, he was literally taking firewood on the FBI plane to bring it to his cabin in Vermont or something like that. I mean, it just, it was just a really bad look. Does he know but, Vermont has forests? <laughs> and I'm probably wrong on the state. And, and that wasn't the only thing. He, yeah. I think there were some other, wow. you know, it, you know, director sessions just didn't, we had this fascination with having federal judges as FBI directors. And mm-hmm. a lot of people thought that was, I mean, a judge, a federal judge, especially, it's not like they have a, a big staff that they're yeah. used to commanding or, you know, leading. Uh, yep. They usually have surrounded by a few clerks and that's it. So mm-hmm. a lot of them lack real leadership skills to run a 35,000 person organization. I don't know why they don't, uh, why they'll bring up people from the ranks. I know a lot of the assistant directors are, you know, right. they just at one time, but you get up to right. the director and these guys are lawyers or right. political hacks. Right. Um, right. I'm like, that, uh, that's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, so uh, after after Sessions was director free, and of course he had been an FBI agent um, mm-hmm. for several years before he became a U.S. attorney and then a federal judge. Mm-hmm. And Free was there for a number of years, and then uh, when he left the bureau, uh, Director Mueller, I worked for for okay. a number of years. Yep, probably ten years. Yeah, yeah, they're there for ten years. Uh, he was typically. Uh, he it's a ten year appointment, and mm-hmm. and Mueller actually got a congressional extension he was there for 12 years um, oh, wow. but i was there 10 years at the same time he was and he, you know i have my criticisms of director Mueller post fbi like a lot of people do i think mm. I've, I've said that i thought that the directors at least the time i was there were the right persons for the job i mean, right. Louis free was kind of a law and order guy with with the agents there were some things mm-hmm. that were going on that needed to be fixed um mm-hmm. there was a lack of discipline i think the straw that broke the camel's back when he became shortly after he became director there was an incident in in atlanta i believe it was atlanta where a couple agents were went out to lunch and had you know three martinis and got back in the fbi car and hit hit somebody and killed him in the in the middle of the intersection coming back to work and i mean i'm saying everybody was doing things like that but there was a lack of discipline and and free kind of threw down the gauntlet and Mm -hmm. he wrote what was referred to as the bright line memo and i went out to Every FBI employee basically said, these are the things that you can count on getting fired for. <laughs> and it's things <laughs> you should have known, you know, lying yeah. under oath, stealing, yep, yep. stealing time. I mean, there was, you know, there was no uh, big surprises in that memo. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> but he yeah, put, should, he put, Or should it be? No. You know, but he, I mean, he put people on notice and it, and it did do. kind of straighten up things. And then right. I think Mueller was the, was the uh, director for the time, you know, he, he started, I believe it was four days before 9-11. Mm-hmm. And uh, literally four days after 9-11, there were calls to disband the FBI and you know create an MI5 organization to take away counterintelligence, counterterrorism. And then uh, he led the effort to have that not happen oh, uh, successfully. Yeah. 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 It's still around. So yeah. let's get back to your books for a second. So how do you market? I mean, that's a challenge. So what do you do from a marketing perspective? It's the hardest part. I mean... Um, 
I'm not I'm not great at it. And I never, you know, as a law enforcement officer, you don't have to market. In fact, you're discouraged from marketing yourself. You don't, right. except for these cops on TikTok and some of this other goofy stuff you see. Um, but at least during my time, I mean, you didn't, you wouldn't have social media presence. You didn't yep. advertise. In fact, you know, the, the, the letter that you received telling you you were hired by the FBI. It said, you know, don't tell, don't tell anybody about this. Don't right. tell your neighbors, you know, keep this confidential between mm-hmm. you and the bureau. Right. Uh, so that's the hardest part. Um, you know, I have a, uh, Twitter X account. I have Instagram, uh, email newsletter. Um, but it did really is difficult and it's a, it's a long tail, you know, it takes forever to, to really kind of get, followers and newsletter subscribers it's not something you can do overnight it's hard to turn on yeah i have yet but, i mean i need to get a new uh, newsletter but i just <laughs> i can't just pull the trigger on it one more thing to do right uh, no, i know it's another another thing I'm like, you can oh, spend yeah, eight hours a day doing the marketing and not oh, doing yeah. any writing easy easy mm-hmm. yeah I, I would yeah that's for definite sure so where what, what advice would you give like a, a fledgling or somebody wants to write or you know, from a, from a discipline perspective of writing or don't write, or when do you write, you know, things like that. Yeah. I'd tell them not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> don't There's do enough this. Of us. Get, no competition. Play, get out get it, play golf, get, you know, yeah. you know, buy a muscle car and fix it up, do something else. But uh, <laughs> that would be I, fun. I've heard it. And this is, I mean, it's the only way I could do it. I'm not sure I could just um, have any other experience you know, if I had been an engineer or, uh, you know, an accountant or something like that, I'm not sure I could say, you know, I'm just, I'm just spin stories. I can sit down and write this. I'm not sure I could do that. So I'd say, write what you know. I mean, right. uh, fortunately, I think, you know, the things that I got to do lend themselves to stories. Mm-hmm. Um, people are always interested and, in, you know, look what people read and watch TV and stream and go to the movies. It's a lot of it is, you know crime related, real crime, true crime, law enforcement, police, whatever. So I'm fortunate to have those experiences, but you can do that no matter what your background is. If you're an accountant, you can come up with some, you know, interesting schemes and scams. That even, yeah, exactly. With Tom <laughs> Clancy, right? Was he sell insurance? You figured it yeah, out. Yeah. He was an insurance guy. Yeah. So, but I think, right. You know, if you, if you've got a background in something, use that, leverage that even in the fiction part, that, that'd be what I. I think Kyle Mills was an accountant. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's crazy. He can do it, right? He figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. He figured it out. He's a smart guy. Yep. He lives in Spain. That's pretty darn yep. smart. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're, you're got your book came out yesterday or two days ago. Yesterday. Yesterday came out. And then now you got two that you're shopping. You got mm-hmm. novellas out and a series. Right. So do you have a muscle car that you that you're fixing up? No, you play golf? I, no. <laughs> I wish I did. I have played golf. I'm not great at it, and I, you know, I should spend. I I go through phases where I'll like pick up the clubs and go to the mm-hmm. driving range for a couple months and start working things out. And I mean, yeah. I'll never be good at it. Um, yeah, I and I just tell people I get, look good when I'm out there. I look like yeah. I'm, I'm good until I hit the ball. They go, man, you're <laughs> got, shitty. I have nice clubs. <laughs> I have great gear yeah. that I wear, but yeah. you know, I'm, I'm great at the 19th hole. But I'll buy a that, beer too. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so where can everybody get a hold of you? So the best way is uh, everything's on my website, fxreagan.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can hit the links for books. You can hit the links for the newsletter, Substack, things like that. That's the best best way. To okay. Hit. So we're going to 
again, thank you very much for uh, a your service uh, and you know, keeping us safe. So that was good. Um, and then writing your books. Uh, and folks, go out there and check him out. Check out his books. Check out his Substack. Because uh, I know he's, uh, from what I can gather, you can be very opinionated. So that's good. <laughs> it comes across that way, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. I like that. Like, that's like, you know, if, if I say something on X and you're not going to buy one of the books, I don't care. Plenty you, of other gonna, books out there. You're not, not going to take me outside book. and, uh, you know, roll up a roll a piece of paper and poke me in the eye with it. So uh, I think I'm pretty good with that. If you don't so, like my books, buy Travis's books. That's yeah, mine. if you don't like mine, then you don't like books. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Appreciate it. FX, okay. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank and, you. And uh, good luck and uh, Merry Christmas. You too. Bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye.